Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and it's a privilege to be in your ear. In this episode, we will begin with the topic entitled, Remembering 9-11. Then we will transition to our segment, How Do We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message. If you have something that you'd like to discuss or some ideas you'd like to share, please do so at admin at livelaughtalk.com. In addition, if you're listening on Spotify, you can add a voice memo as well as comments, and please participate in our poll. Also, wherever it is that you listen to the podcast, please follow us so you'll be notified of the new episodes when they're released. The topic that we will begin with is entitled, Remembering 9-11. Do you remember where you were on Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001 at approximately 8.46 a.m.? I do. I was at work about to teach an insurance class. Our coordinator ran into the classroom and notified us of what we now know to be a terrorist attack on the United States, resulting in the loss of thousands of lives and causing immense grief and shock. It's a day that is etched in the collective memory of people around the world. That terrorist attack was orchestrated by a group of terrorists associated with extremist group Al-Qaeda, who hijacked four commercial airliners and deliberately crashed two of these planes into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, causing both towers to collapse. Another plane was flown into the Pentagon, Arlington, Virginia, and the fourth plane crashed into a field in Pennsylvania after passengers attempted to regain control from the hijack. These attacks resulted in the deaths of nearly 3,000 people, making it one of the deadliest attacks of terrorism in history. The events of 9-11 had profound and far-reaching consequences, leading to a global war on terror initiated by the United States. Changes in security policies and international relations resulted in a lasting impact on the lives of those directly affected by the attacks. And since then, 9-11 has become a day of remembrance and reflection. Annual memorial ceremonies are held to honor the victims and the resilience of the American people. It also played a significant role in shaping the world in the years that followed. 343 members of the fire department of New York lost their lives in the line of duty while responding to the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City. Their heroism and sacrifice on that day are remembered and honored as part of the overall toll of first responders who courageously worked to save lives in the face of unprecedented danger. Many of them going up the stairs to floors like floor 69 and 70 where the building was already on fire. The response on 9-11 by the Fire Department of New York was truly heroic. Yes, these ones made the ultimate sacrifice, and their bravery and dedication continue to be celebrated and remembered 
In the years following, there have been efforts to provide support to the families of the fire department, those who perished on that day. Memorials and tributes, such as the Fire Department New York Memorial Wall and the annual FDNY Memorial Day, serve as important reminders of their selflessness and the enduring impact of their service. Along with that of other first responders, the Fire Department is a testament to the resilience and strength of the human spirit in the face of adversity. It's part of the collective memory of the nation as a whole. The aid and support provided to the victims' families and survivors were extensive and multifaceted, resulting in the nation's commitment to assisting those affected by this tragic event. And those efforts continue to this day as the impact of the attacks on individuals and communities endures. Some of the key forms of aid and support includes the Victim Compensation Fund. The United States government established this compensation fund to provide financial assistance to the families of those who were killed or injured in the attacks. This fund is aimed to compensate victims for economic loss, medical expenses, pain, and suffering. There's also the health care assistance because many individuals who were exposed to the toxic dust and debris at Ground Zero developed health issues in the years following the attacks. Among them is Marcy Borden, an American legal assistant who worked on the 81st at the Bank of America located in the World Trade Center. A photographer captured an image of Borden completely covered in dust from the building's collapse, a picture that we will put on our social media page so that you will be able to see some of these horrific things that happened on that day. But anyway, she was completely covered in dust and nicknamed the Dust Lady. Well, years later, Borders was diagnosed with stomach cancer in August of 2014. It's believed that her illness was triggered by the toxic dust she was exposed to following the building's collapse. She died a year later in August 2015. There's been numerous charitable organizations and foundations that were established to provide support to 9-11 victims and families. And these organizations offered financial assistance, counseling, educational support, and various other services. Several scholarship programs were created to support the education of children and dependents of 9-11 victims. And these scholarships aim to alleviate the financial burden of pursuing higher education. The construction of memorials, such as the National September 11th Memorial and Museum at the World Trade Center, was undertaken to honor the victims and provide a place of remembrance and reflection. Even the rebuilding efforts at the World Trade Center were extensive and complex. The immediate priority was the removal of the massive debris and wreckage from the collapse of Twin Towers. This was a painstaking and emotional process that took months to complete. A master plan for the redevelopment of the World Trade Center was developed. This plan included the construction of new buildings, memorials, transportation infrastructure, 
in open spaces. An international design competition was held to solicit ideas for the new site. The winning design, known as the Freedom Tower, later renamed One World Trade Center, became the centerpiece of the redevelopment. Construction of One World Trade Center began in 2006 and was completed in 2014. It stands as the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere and as a symbol of resilience and rebirth. The National September 11th Memorial and Museum was constructed on the World Trade Center site. The memorial features two reflecting pools in the footprint of the Twin Towers and is surrounded by the names of the victims. The museum houses artifacts and exhibits commemorating the events of 9-11. The transportation hub designed by architect Santiago Catrava was built to replace the destroyed PATH train station, and it serves as a major transportation hub and features a distinctive wing-like structure. Several other office buildings, including four World Trade Center, three World Trade Center, and seven World Trade Center, were constructed as part of the redevelopment efforts. The site also includes open spaces, parks, and plazas, providing a place for reflection the rebuilding of the World Trade Center site was a symbol of resilience and determination and is sought to honor the memory of the victims while revitalizing lower Manhattan. It was a complex and collaborative effort involving government agencies, architects, construction firms, and the community. And what of the 343 firefighters who lost their lives? There is a memorial dedicated to them in lower Manhattan. In addition, 60 of the children of those ones who lost their lives are now members of the fire department in New York today. They're following in their parents' courageous footsteps. And some of them were as young as seven years old when they lost their parents, but they follow in the path of those resilient, dedicated firefighters. In conclusion, as divided as we seem as a people, we came together in a united front, and the buildings were re-erected, and lives were put together in the most effective ways possible, after a day that will forever live in infamy. Our children are in dire need of a proper diet. Believe it or not, that although diet quality improved modestly for American children and adolescents from 99 till today, more than half still had poor quality diets. The findings that came through from a test highlight the need to develop and test strategies to improve the eating habits of our children. And we have to worry about childhood nutrition because it's an important foundation for later health issues. Diets early in life can shape food habits into a healthy adult. The U.S. has launched several national programs to improve early nutrition 
and help reduce childhood obesity. These programs ensure balanced school lunches and encourage low-income families to buy more fruits and vegetables. A research team led by doctors at Tufts University studied trends in childhood diet quality from 1999 till today. This work was funded by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and the American Heart Association. This was data that was collected as part of a National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Children and their parents were interviewed about daily food choices. Youths ages 12 and older self-reported what they had eaten while children 6 to 11 were interviewed about their diet with the help of their parent or another adult. Parents or other adults reported food choices for children age 5 and younger. Previous studies of childhood diets have usually focused only on a few food groups or nutrients or relied on older data. For the current study, the researchers analyzed the daily eating habits of more than 31,000 youths aged 2 to 19. They rated each child's diet as poor, intermediate, or ideal based on dietary scores. Diets were mainly evaluated using the uh, American Health Association's Continuous Diet Score, which reflects consumption of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, fish and shellfish, sugar, sweetened beverages, and sodium. Diets were also evaluated using the secondary score of the American Heart Association, which adds nuts, seeds, and processed meat, along with saturated fats. The analysis revealed that whichever score was used, diets of children in the U.S. have improved modestly, but remains poor for the most, as we mentioned at the onset. Based on the primary score, the proportion of children with low-quality diets decreased from 77% to 56% between the years of 1999 until today. Intermediate quality diets increased from 23% to 44% of children during the 18-year the, uh, study period. And ideal quality diets remained very low over the study period at less than 1%. Older youths aged 12 to 19 had worse diet quality compared to younger children with 67% eating poor quality diets. Disparities related to low household income, less parental education, and less food security persisted or worsened over time. The study also identified trends for specific foods and nutrients. The average daily consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages decreased from two to one serving. This equates to about eight fewer teaspoons of sugar. Children were consuming about a half more serving of whole grains and about a fifth more of fruit than in the start of the study, almost 23 years ago. However, dietary sodium increased and greatly exceeds current guidelines. And this may be due to an increase in processed foods and meals eaten outside the home. So yes, the findings were slowly improving, but they were still poor. Diets in the U.S. 
our children are consistent in the fact that children are experiencing obesity and definitely not a reversal. Understanding these trends in diet quality is crucial to informing priorities to help improve the eating habits and long-term health of all of America's youth. So with all these poor ditches that we got in, the fact that our children are obese, and our children are not eating properly, and we're well below the guidelines of the American Heart Association, this all leads us to ask, how did we get here? Our hobby or special interest this time will be on fishing. Yes, fishing is a popular and relaxing hobby enjoyed by people around the world. It allows you to connect with nature, unwind, and potentially catch some delicious fish. My dad tried to take me fishing once, and it was only once. <laughs> I think he gave up on me after that. But fishing is not something that you should just give up on. It's a diverse hobby with various aspects to explore. There are so many different types of fishing, such as freshwater, saltwater, fly fishing, ice fishing, and more. Each offers its own unique challenges and experiences. Choosing the right fishing gear like rods, reels, lines, and bait is crucial. The equipment you need depends on the type of fish you want to catch and where you will be fishing. Learning different fishing techniques like casting, trolling, or fly casting adds depth to your hobby. Each unique has its own set of skills to match. Exploring various fishing spots from lakes and rivers to oceans and remote ponds can be an adventure. Researching local regulations and seasons, though, is essential. You want to make sure that you are in the uh, proper way with your license. Also, that with it, whatever gaming commission out there, that you are doing your part to make sure that you are up to date. Responsible fishing includes respecting catch limits, releasing undersized fish, and minimizing environmental impact. Being a responsible angler helps preserve aquatic ecosystems. You can also have a sense of community by joining a local fishing club or online forums that connect you with fellow anglers, providing opportunities to learn and share experience. And if you enjoy cooking, preparing and eating your catch can be a rewarding part of the hobby. There are countless delicious fish recipes to try. Fishing teaches patience as you wait for that elusive bite. It's a great way to relax, unwind, and escape the hustle and bustle of daily life. Fishing offers continuous learning opportunities as well. And you can always improve your skills, try new techniques, and discover more about the fish and their habits. Remember, check the local regulations. 
obtain any necessary permits, and prioritize the well-being of the fish and the habitats. Enjoy your time on the water and the satisfaction of reeling in that big catch. We want to take a moment to acknowledge the loss of one of our own. As mentioned several times in the podcast, our brother named Kevin, and he lost his mother just yesterday. And we want to send out love to him and his family as it's going to be a hard road, as we know. And in addition to that, it's painful to all of us who knew her, know that she treated me like a son, and I loved her very much. So on behalf of Kevin and his family, let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Our sunflower message will be taken from a poem named Smile by Pain to Pen. On some days, I long to smile, all because I wished, not because I'm happy, not because I'm sad. And I need to veil it over. No, I wish to smile, just smile, not because I'm afraid that my moment won't last, not to fool my problems, believing I'm strong, not to prove to my enemies that I'm undeterred. Long for a smile, not for your picture, not for legends, scriptures, I wish to smile a smile, unbounded by the rules of your book. Oh, you seem happy. You're so strong. Something good must have happened. No, I didn't smile for him. I didn't smile for you. I wish to smile a smile, light and easy, deep and warm. And that's all I want. And trust me, you should too. On Cash App at Dollar Sign, Live, Laugh, Talk, and Twitter at Live, Laugh, Talk are also on Spotify. Right there is a donate button to support our podcast. And any and everything is appreciated. Also, remember to rate us a five on your podcast platform or whatever that highest rating is and tell your friends, family, colleagues, peers, and whoever you run into. On Etsy.com, Make sure that you search for How Did We Get Here that you can buy. We have coffee mugs, t-shirts, and tote bags presently, but more is to come. This is James and George's baby boy signing off. And as you know, I can't wait to talk with you again soon.